Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Rock and Roll Fables with Kenny Bodkin. Okay, I got a story for you. Mick Ronson, the uh, the sideman for David Bowie through the Ziggy Stardust years. Um, he was born in 1946 in Kingston-upon-Hull in Yorkshire, England. He actually started out as a classically trained musician, um, as a cello player, and he was... Um, you know, wanted to be a cellist when he grew up. Uh, but then he heard the, the music of Dwayne Eddy. And the bass notes on the guitar, um, Mick Mick thought, sounded a whole lot like that on a cello. At least that's what he told his parents, so they would buy him an electric guitar. Eventually, he moved to London, and he started uh, playing in different bands in London uh, to zero success and uh, he meets up with David Bowie in 1970 and David is putting together a band to tour uh, off of his first album and he hires um, he hires Mick to play guitar on it Mick is also an arranger and a keyboardist and so around this time they uh, you know David Bowie was was uh, was one to to dress up in uh, very um, flamboyant glam rock type clothing, and uh, and Mick was you know straight guy from Hull who wasn't having any of that until he was convinced that the girls liked it, and um, so after that, uh, uh, it's a really funny interview with David Bowie where he's explaining that yeah I I. I uh, really tried to get them into makeup and uh and the glittery outfits and everything and uh and they weren't having it until um until they were convinced that uh that women really liked it the first album that mick ronson appeared on of david bowie's was the man who sold the world and if uh, you listen to the circular guitar riff on on the title track you know you you realize what a what a gifted talent uh, he is. And he was asked to go into the studio with, uh, with him for the next album, which um, turned out to be Hunky Dory. Hunky Dory, of course, has Life on Mars on it, has Changes, has a lot of the, the songs that you know and love from, from David Bowie. Uh, the keyboard player on that was Rick Wakeman, who was, was a huge talent uh, ended up on uh, ended up playing with yes after this album so Mick actually arranged the strings on life on Mars and it is such a, a beautiful piece knowing that Mick Ronson this you know guitar player from Hull did those beautiful strings is uh, is really quite amazing. Oh, 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 oh,
The next album that Ronson was on was The Rise and Fall of Ziggy Stardust and the Spiders from Mars. It is a prototype album of, of everything that came after as far as um, glam rock, as far as punk rock. I mean, you, you hear a lot of the, the guitar work uh, in there being as rough and ready as the, uh, as the work uh, that, that followed it in, in punk. Now, while he was uh, um, touring on that, uh, it, it Bowie rose to being just a uh, you know weird glam rock guy to a superstar. He that it, it elevated everybody involved into the the uh, superstar status, and it was a hugely successful album and tour. During that that time period, uh, he also um, worked with David Bowie on uh, all the Young Dudes album from Mott the Hoople. Uh, Ronson co-produced the Lou Reed album Transformer with David Bowie, and he played uh, lead guitar and piano on songs like Perfect Day and Satellite of Love. And uh, he also worked with Lulu. also hear um, makes guitar work on Aladdin Sane and uh, Pinups and Diamond Dogs, um, the three albums following uh, Ziggy Stardust. of July 1973 they played their last concert as Ziggy Stardust and the Spiders from Mars. The tour had covered the UK and US and Japan and it moved from small pubs and club gigs in the beginning to huge sold out shows by the end. The tour's last gig at the Hammersmith Odeon um, was the last because Bowie shocked fans and the band by announcing that it would be the last show they would do with the Spiders from Mars.
everybody. This has been the one of the greatest tours of our life. We really. Uh, of all the shows on this tour, this this particular show will remain with us the longest because not only is it not only is it the last show of the tour, but it's the last show that we'll ever do. Thank you. In subsequent years, he uh, he played um, a major part in uh, Ian Hunter's career from Mott the Hoople. He um, he worked on uh, Once Bitten, Twice Shy, the uh, the from the Ian Hunter album, not the Great White uh, cover of it. He played uh, with Bob Dylan. He was part of the um, Rolling Thunder Review in the seventies that. Uh, uh, that toured America. He did um, a bunch of solo albums. He worked with uh, Roger Daltrey on his solo work. He worked with David Cassidy, yes, that one, uh, on his uh, on his solo work. But um, the one that was uh, that was a little surprising uh, came in 1982. America worked four or five weeks with with um, John Mellencamp, who was John Cougar at the time, and he was making his American Fool album, which is the album that broke him, really, and uh, that, that made uh, made John Cougar huge, and um, particularly the song Jack and Diane. Uh, Mick was very instrumental in getting that song done. Um, he had. Uh, John had pretty much thrown it on the scrap heap thinking it, it never was going to be anything. And uh, Mick kept working on it and um, put the percussion on it and did, uh, did the part, uh, the let it rock, let it roll, the choir type thing uh, in the middle of it. And um, that was all Mick Ronson's idea. He also played the electric guitar behind um, John Cougar's acoustic guitar for that song and uh, uh, the fact that Mick Ronson was able to put that all together is, is, is pretty amazing it's a great song and it's, uh, it's an amazing uh, um, amazing piece of work so Mick ends up uh, uh, passing away in the 90s um, and he could have been the Keith Richards to Bowie's Mick Jagger. He could have been. I mean, they they belonged together, obviously. And uh, but the fact that he went out on his own and made uh, made some amazing uh, records uh, is is just a, a testament to his talent. Isn't that something?
our special guest. Come on out, man. So, Paul McCartney gonna sit in with us. We don't wanna make no big deal out of it, but uh, I've been waiting about 50 years. Okay, I got a story for you. July 2012 in Hyde Park in London. Bruce Springsteen and the E Street Band were playing part of the Hard Rock Festival. Hard Rock Live. And uh, at the end of the show, you know, it had been a great show. It had been killer. I mean, he had uh, Tom Morello from Rage Against the Machine was on stage with him playing. Uh, they brought out uh, John Fogarty from uh, Creedence Clearwater Revival. And it was a great show. Okay, so the end of the night he had a special guest and he brings out Sir Paul McCartney. Any show that Springsteen does is a marathon. It's an event. It is. It, they do go on for a while, and uh, there is no reason to fault him for that. I love that. That is uh, an amazing um, feat. I uh, have seen him once, uh, but it was not with the. It's not with the East Street Band. It was when he was doing the Ghost of Tom Joad tour, and it was just him and an acoustic guitar. Still an amazing show, an amazing show. But here he had the the E Street Band. It's 2012, um, and they brought out Sir Paul McCartney, and they went into. I saw her standing there, and um, you could you could see everybody on stage, and then the audience just beaming. There was 80,000 or so people there, and Springsteen and McCartney were making historic music for, for them all and it was it's an amazing video if you ever get a chance to see that So they go from um, the Beatles classic, I saw her staying there, to the Beatles classic, Twist and Shout, from the Isley Brothers. And um, everyone's having a great time. At the end of it, uh, they had gone past curfew by 30 minutes, okay? Uh, it was like creeping up on 11, and curfew in London is 10.30. 
<laughs> so they, I mean, it's it's laughable because I mean, it is. So uh, Springsteen concert, not even on a school night. It was a weekend for crying out loud. They pulled the plug. And when I say they, I mean no one in the E Street organization. I mean the the, the police, the English um, police. Okay. Um, before Springsteen and McCartney could say thank you to all the people, um, they pulled the plug on their mics. Um, they said they had to take action because of local restrictions designed to cut down on late night noise. Um, a, a BBC reporter said it made for a slightly bizarre anticlimactic end to a show that had been fantastic. break curfews in every country but only the English cops need to punish us by not letting us leave until the entire crowd goes. Is there too too much fun in the world? We could have been off by 11. We'd have done it. We'd have done one more. On a Saturday night, who were we disturbing? The cops got nothing more important to do. How about they go catch some criminals instead of effing with 80,000 people having a good time. English cops may be the only individuals left on earth that wouldn't want to hear one more song from Bruce Springsteen and Paul McCartney. Isn't that something? So we'll see you next time. You've been listening to Rock and Roll Fables with Kenny Bodkin. We can be contacted at kenny.d.bodkin 
at gmail.com. Thanks for listening and support your local musicians. Oh, one to listen to Nickelback.